It gives me great pleasure to present to you Bishop Tremble today to share with you. I have had the privilege of serving with four bishops as in my time in the Indiana Conference, and I can say I have never been more encouraged than I am right now to serve with Bishop Trimble. He says those words a lot, be encouraged, and I am, and I hope you are too, because no matter what we face today as the United Methodist Church, I believe our best days are in front of us. Amen? Amen. And so we're going to keep moving forward, and we're going to be encouraged. And so it is my, my honor to present to you, Bishop Trimble, to encourage you today. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless God's holy name. Reverend Dr. Marty Lundy, thank you for that gracious uh, presentation and introduction. Actually, I am glad to be preaching after that uh, powerful music uh, from Katie Monroe and Gifts for Praise. Why don't we give God praise and give them praise? I do uh, have a, a, the opportunity to preach throughout the state of Indiana and sometimes outside of the state and even on a few occasions outside of the country. And I would be more than pleased to have Katie Monroe and Gifts for Praise to travel with me and bring uh, music, but I probably couldn't get them out of South Bend, so uh, <laughs> praise God for that. One of the traditions in the Indiana Conference is when the bishop has the privilege and opportunity to preach at a local congregation, we bring a blessing and a prayer for that congregation. And uh, as part of my message today, uh, for those of you who are gathered here in the sanctuary and those who are joining online, uh, I stopped by to bring a word of encouragement, hope, and love uh, from the Holy Scriptures and to present this prayer to uh, Evangel Heights United Methodist Church. I would invite the lead pastor to come and a representative of the laity to come and receive the bishop's blessing and this prayer. Dear friends, if you would be in an attitude of prayer, oh God, we thank you for the ministry of South Bend Evangel Heights United Methodist Church as your people gathered to worship you in sanctuary and online. We thank you for all of the pastors and lay leaders and members who have made this day possible and ministry here possible. And now I ask your richest blessings upon Reverend Michelle Cobb, the staff and the leadership, and upon all who are part of this congregation, particularly those whose lives are touched by its ministry. Keep them faithful to you, O God. Bless them with faith, strength, courage, and service. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Bishop Julius C. Trimble presented on March 20th, 2022. God bless you and keep on keeping on. Thank you to Evangel Heights for your witness uh, in this local community and the way in which you touch lives throughout uh, the world. I saw a picture uh, that was very moving um, just the other day. It was a picture of dozens of uh, baby strollers in Ukraine. 
representing all of the children who have already died as a result of the war against Ukraine. And I was reminded how important it is for people of faith to always keep in mind there are people suffering, facing hardship, sometimes in our own homes, in our own communities, in our own congregations, and always on the planet somewhere. Our first order of business is always to be people of prayer. Paul writes in Galatians that we are to bear each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We share each other's joys and each other's sorrows. So I want to begin as my granddaughter has taught me, Papa, never forget to say thank you. So I want to begin by saying thank you. Thank you to God and thank you to you, to Katie Monroe, to Pastor Michelle Cobb, to all of us as we sang the opening hymn, to the prayers of the people, Becky Baker, uh, to Ken Peterson and Gifts for Praise, to Becky, to Bailey Harris who read our text for today, uh, to Gifts for Peace, for Praise, for the conference superintendent, and for Bishop Trimble who showed up today to preach. And, and I'll take that time off the sermon, all of that pre preliminary. <laughs> Sometimes you, have you ever been to worship and you felt like the preacher was talking directly to you? Like, like, he, like he or she had been right in your living room, in your heart, and was speaking a word just for you? Have you ever tuned in online and looked for a sign from God that God was really real and that God was aware of what you're going through, that God even knew the deepest secret in your heart and was willing to heal and help and hold you? Well, I pray that today might be that day for you. Maybe this is the sign that you have been looking for. If God is for us, then I want to say without hesitation that all will be well. All will be well. If we give ourselves fully to God, friends, Paul writes and, and, and teaches in the book of Romans, if we give ourselves fully to God, God can change us from the inside out. The book of Romans offers the most systematic teaching in the Bible about the human dilemma, God's solution for it. Written by the Apostle Paul, Romans lays out the major themes of sin, salvation, redemption, justification, grace, and reconciliation. Paul writes to the church in Rome, even though he had never visited this church, to encourage them not just that they might be informed, but they might be transformed. I want you to know that God's love in Jesus Christ is real. It can be felt in times of sorrow, in times of joy, times of victory, and even in times of defeat. I and my wife, First Lady Ray Selder, who wanted to send her prayers with you, could not be with us today, wanted to say we had an opportunity some weeks ago when we came to church and we got here just at the end of church. <laughs> some of you may recall, right before the benediction, 
And the pastor called us up. I was saying, don't, don't call us up, it's too late. <laughs> but we had a chance. I'm so glad we were here. We had a chance to meet Carol Robinson that day. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within us. And you celebrated her life yesterday, and I know that her spirit remains with us and with you. What then are we to say about these things, Paul writes? If God is for us, who or what can be against us? He who did not withhold his own son but gave him up for all of us, will he not give us everything else? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship, we will experience it, or distress, we will experience that, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Who will separate us? Knowing all these things, Paul writes and Jesus confirms that we are more than conquerors through him, through God. The prophet Jeremiah, God speaks to the prophet Jeremiah and says, I love you with an everlasting love. God's love is sealed from the very beginning. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through the one who loved us. For I am convinced And I pray that we are convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor rulers, the things that we experience today, the things that we may experience tomorrow, nothing, anything, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Period. Hard stop. Amen. It has been said that Christian theology is often found, a Christian's theology is often found in her or his hymnology. We sing our faith. Sometimes we should, after we sing the hymns or we sing a praise song, we ought to just read the words and sit for a while. Our Christian theology is found in her or his hymnology. We sing our faith and we sing praises to God who is the reason why we are singing. Someone asked me, what's been the hardest part in COVID, these two years of COVID, with church interruption? I said, for me, part of it has been not being able to sing with others. It's been the first time I was back in church, friends, and just sat in the pew and heard the hymn, I heard the organ play, I wept. I didn't realize that the presence of God can be experienced in the music and the receiving of God's presence in worship in such a powerful way. You don't know what you have until you don't have it anymore. Amen. Amen. Sometimes what we need most is a plain affirmation of God's presence with us. God, I just want to know if you're with me. I don't need an audible answer. God, I just need to know if you are with us. Sometimes what is most needed, friends, is a plain affirmation of God's presence with us, God's promises to us, and Jesus' example for us. Joseph Scriven was born in 1819 to prosperous parents in Dublin, Ireland. At age 25, he decided to leave his country and move to Canada. With the tragedy of the drowning of his fiancée, the night before their wedding, 
and the religious influence of the Brethren Church, Joseph Scriven gave away most of his earthly possessions. It is said that he would literally give away the shirt he was wearing if he saw someone who needed it. He was one of those people who took Jesus seriously. He took the Sermon on the Mount literally. And because of his extreme generosity, Joseph Scriven was respected by all, but also was considered by many to be eccentric. He was a poet. He wrote poetry, and upon hearing of his mother's serious illness and unable to return to Dublin, Ireland to visit his mother, he wrote a poem. His poem was never intended to become a hymn. In fact, later when he was asked about if he wrote this poem, he replied, the Lord and I did it together. Tomorrow, friends, when you wake up, I, I encourage you to ask this question. When you wake up, Lord, what is my assignment today? And whatever assignment God gives you, if it's to encourage someone or to say a, a, a word of love or give a hug to your child or grandchild, if it's to make a phone call, if it's to volunteer, whatever God's assignment is for you tomorrow, when someone asks you about your assignment, say, the Lord and I did it together. Joseph Scriven's poem has been a blessing to me and probably to you. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. Listen to his poem, friends. What a privilege to carry everything. We ought to underscore that. <laughs> not some things, not one thing, not that thing, but everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. We tell our three children who are now grown and one who has a child of her own, pray first. Whatever you're facing, stop a moment and, 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 and be still. The psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. Pray first, think second, and then, then after you've had a time to sit with it, make your decision. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Or what needless pain we often are bearing because we will not carry. The first order and business of the church. I've been saying this for six years since I came to Indiana. The first order and business of the church is to pray, is to pray, to be a people of prayer. The church was born out of a prayer meeting, not a general conference. Someone said, well, you know, I understand general conference has been postponed. I said most of the great movements of the Methodist church and its predecessor bodies did not come out of a conference. They came out of prayer meetings. They came out of movement of local churches, of people who loved God so much. Our mission has not been postponed. Our ministry has not been postponed. Our candidates for ministry have not been postponed. God's call upon your life has not been postponed. Apostle Paul was keenly aware that while believers would experience freedom from sin, 
There would be no exemption from suffering or the experience of trouble. Everybody experiences trouble and suffering. Yet God's love is made real in Christ Jesus. And the Bible says, if God is for us, one more accurate translation might be because God is for us. Not if God is for us, but because God is for us, nothing can separate us from the love of God. The love of God is the ultimate basis of the Apostle Paul's hope. In Romans, the fifth chapter, he writes, this hope doesn't put us to shame because the love of God has been poured out, poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. While we were still weak at the right moment, the Bible says in Romans, the fifth chapter, while we were still weak at the right moment, Christ died for the ungodly people. It isn't often that someone will die for a righteous person, though maybe someone might dare to die for a good person, but God shows his love for us because while we were all sinners, Christ died for us. Now the enemies of peace are real. We see that being played out in the geopolitics of the world. We see that there's attacks in our cities we see that there are no real winners in wars. In fact, the children lose first when there's war or violence, whether it be in the Southern Hemisphere or in South Bend itself. Lord, have mercy is always our prayer. Enemies must be resisted, but neither world, the world enemies, nor personal experience of hardship, nor anything in creation can separate us from God's love. You may feel separated, but I'm here to tell you, friends, that there is nothing that can separate you from the power and healing balm of God's law. Paul is aware not only of death that we often describe as a painful separation, but also life. How we live sometimes in conflict one with another how we often fail to choose the pathway of unity. The old folks in my home church used to say, if it's not one thing, it's another. <laughs> but even when it's one thing or when it's another, God is not on vacation. The psalmist says, great is his love reaching to the heavens. Several years ago, one of the, the, lay, leader, one of the lay leaders from one of our churches in Indianapolis called me up and said, Bishop, have you heard about the Bail Project? I said, no, I don't know anything about that. What is the Bail Project? She had traveled with city representatives in Indianapolis to Los Angeles and had been introduced to this project called the Bail Project by some nonprofit groups that had come together. The Bail Project was a project where nonprofits and churches came together to pool their money to provide the bail payment for for persons who had been arrested uh, and who were being held in jail until their court appearances. These were people who had not committed any violent crimes, but they didn't have enough, they didn't have $100 or $200 or $500 to pay bail in order to go home until their first court appearance. So dozens of people, in fact, hundreds of people are in jail all across the country, including in, in, in your city and other places as well, because they don't have the bail to pay 
So the bail project was an opportunity for these nonprofits to come together, provide this bail payment, and when the persons appeared in court, uh, their, their bail had already been paid. So they were able to go home and be with their family members over the holidays. I used to be one of the first persons who would say, you know, if, you, if you've done the crime, you know, you should do the time. But when I was, it was explained to me how many people were actually in jail simply because they didn't have money or they didn't have a lawyer before they would appear before the judge, then I recognized how fortunate that I was and how privileged we often are. Then I realized Jesus Christ had paid my bail, your bail, so that you did not have to appear before the judge. We will appear before the judge judge if one day but our bail has already been paid on Calvary. We know that because we pray that prayer in our prayer of confession as we prepare for Holy Communion, as we accept people into the church, as we use the prayer of confession in our baptismal services, merciful God, we confess. We confess, God, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed often to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved all of our neighbors as you would have us. We have not heard the cry of the needy as you would have us. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And Jesus says you are forgiven. Your bail has been paid. Horatio G. Spafford, the Presbyterian layman from Chicago, was very prosperous, a strong evangelical who supported D.L. Moody and the spreading of scriptures throughout the land. He invested heavily in real estate in Chicago, but during the Chicago fire of 1871, all of his property was wiped out by that great fire. He had planned a vacation for he and his family to Europe in 1873, but business delayed him from joining his family. So his wife and his four daughters went ahead of him on the ship to Europe. History says that the ship was struck and sank in 12 minutes. There were some survivors. He waited and waited. Finally, he got a message from his wife, saved alone saved alone. When Horatio Spafford traveled to meet his wife as his ship passed the area where his daughters and others had perished in the sinking of the ship, he wrote these words, when sorrows like sea billows roll. His hymn does not rest on life's sorrows and pain, but points to the sacrifice Jesus made for us, the sacrifice of God's love that reminds us that nothing can separate us. When peace like a river, he wrote, attended my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well. It is well with my soul. I stopped by to tell you, Evangel Heights, all will be well. 
All will be well. Bishop Trimble, how do you know it would be well? You don't know my story. You haven't been to my house. You haven't seen what I'm going through. Well, I'm glad you asked that question. I don't have to know your story. God knows your story. I'm just the messenger, friends. I stopped by to tell you that I know for sure that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Neither COVID nor cancer, neither life nor death, neither hardship nor those things that we are hoping for. Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. Nothing. All will be well because the churches of God and Jesus said upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This church is needed so desperately to be the church. Not just in the building but wherever we are scattered. People need a word of encouragement. Just this morning, I said to the young lady at breakfast, how are you doing? 19-year-old, she said, I'm doing pretty well. I graduated from high school. I'm still sorting out what I'm going to do next. I said, all will be well. All will be well. Evangel Heights, I'm so glad that I was able to stop by and give you this word. If God is for us, all will be well. In the name of Jesus Christ, we give thanks to God. Amen.